What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with people who make first impressions and people who get the worst infections. I'm Adrian, as always, here with Polly Paul. Let's get big factin'. Let's get no cappin'. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap No cap. I uh I did make a purposeful choice today with this shirt that I'm wearing, which I got at a Goodwill yesterday. Very nice Hawaiian shirt. I was figuring out which button to go down to, and I was like, you know what? A little, a little, a little tuft of chest hair out. A little, a little, a little of that out for the ladies and the men's out there. I was literally my first thought was to make a joke about how you always say that people compare you to a background character in Lilo and Stitch, and you're really starting to invite the comparisons with that shirt. You know, I worked at Trader Joe's for three years. I, I wouldn't call that, in, I wouldn't say that you should blame what people wear on that. Okay, <laughs> I'm not a okay, blamer, though, okay. You're you're trying to say that I'm victim blaming you with a joke about if you I, look like a background no, character in Lilo. I'm and just Stitch. saying. I'm just saying. That's not what I would do. But this is where the modern left is at, huh? You're out here accusing people of victim blaming you to be Lilo and Stitch, while I'm out on these streets earlier today fighting for women's reproductive rights. Adrian, I'm going to rallies. I'm a hero, is how I would describe myself. Are you going to the fast food chain rallies? Yeah, and then after that, going to a political rally. (laughs) You always go to rallies before (laughs) you go to a rally. (laughs) Wait, you don't have either of those in Charlotte, right? Rallies or checkers? Not that I know of. But it's one of those things where the first time I went to a rally before a rally, that law passed. That was for legalized weed. And, you know, that's happening all over the country. So now... I've had to make it like, you know, it's like one of those uh, superstitions. I have to go to a rally first or the rally won't work. Makes sense. I can't remember what the divide is. I think instead of east and west, it's north and south. I think like in Indiana, I went to a rallies and I went into a checkers in Atlanta. So my only experience going to a rallies was after the big party night of me interviewing at Indiana University. My host took me out with his friends. We went to a gay bar and then on the way home, we went to rallies and then I almost missed my bus to Indianapolis to get on my flight because uh, we were both so hungover. No cap. We've been, we've been making jokes about that because uh, my sister is visiting. And my sister and my mom and dad are all visiting my brother's. Um, well, my brother and his um, boyfriend in Belgium. And one of the things my sister was saying was like, we met his parents and like, everyone no one there shows affection to their kids or like she was just, it was just classic latino shit she was like everyone thinks we're weird for being too loud and everyone thinks we're weird for showing way too much affection to each other and i was like you know what i think i got the right end of the deal on that one i didn't really think of uh dutch people as like austere and i guess that was more like german people but i guess sometimes people call german people like they're dutch adjacent right like they're dutch adjacent i don't really know physically and um psychologically um yeah i don't know that gets into like weird territory like i think i got into a weirdly serious uh talk with justin once where i was asking him like when was the last time you kissed your mom and dad and when was the last time like you cuddled with your mom and dad and he was like who boy <laughs> like when i was like seven or something i was like damn dog y'all gotta like yeah you gotta love each other man <laughs> what was it? We, we read an article once that was like it's super weird to be on the couch too close to your sibling as an adult and it's like man my families are super scared yeah. of each other <laughs> It's so crazy to me, man. I don't understand it. Hey, what could you say?
What can you say? Hey, hey, at least Tom Brady kisses his kids on the lips. Yeah, that's the problem with white family. They're either freaks too far <laughs> with it. They're either like Christians and they're like, oh, let me give you a big sloppy tongue in. Or <laughs> <laughs> let me finger your b-hole. <laughs> Or they're these weird, austere Protestants who've never, like, even made eye contact with their father. That Tom Brady shit is so weird, man. <laughs> like, just kiss him on the cheek. It is also weird that, like, if a adults won't kiss their parents on the cheek, but it's also too far to kiss them on the lips. Like, there's a perfect zone. Um, in my family, I think we did that until I was basically, like, puberty age. Until then, yeah. My parents, like, six, seven? Yeah, they definitely kissed me on the lips. Oh, really? Damn. Okay. Yeah, not a weird thing for us. Well, there goes my theory that Tom Brady's a freak. For yeah, well, I mean, he's just very Guatemalan in his sensibilities. I think that really stays true to all of his... Maybe I should places. stand by it and just call your family freaks still. <laughs> Maybe I should stand by that opinion. Which, talking about how all my opinions are bullshit and will mend to the people I'm around, I would like to apologize to Nicole for our hate on, um, <laughs> on uh, Harry Potter... And on people who don't like spoilers, uh, I want this yeah. show to be inclusive to all sensibilities. And honestly, the opinion I hate the most is typically my own. So never listen to this show and uh, feel bad. I was going to ask, like, I know that you kind of um, put the um, you put the soundboard on freeze for a while. But if you ever want to bring that back, have you considered clipping the uh, I'm about to sound really smug in my next opinion and just keeping that for <laughs> every episode? <laughs> I I think that would be that would be problematic because it'd get too much like DJ uh yeah DJ Doug Pound off of what was that podcast called White Dudes Review Black Media in a kind of awkward and offensive but funny for the time way I think that was the name of the yeah, podcast um, I think so but yeah DJ Doug Pound on that show I, I think if we had the drop that was my next opinion is about to be really smug and be kind of like DJ Doug Pound's drops where they're constant. And never ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I think it's been a recent thing that we've really been on a tear of like really being um judgmental in the opinions that we've had with our themes. But for this one, this one's probably pretty safe. I think probably pretty safe. Yeah, what's the term apolitical for like controversy? Like a controversial. It's a it's neutral. Yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's neutral. a pretty neutral topic. You can't really have yeah. a strong yeah, our opinion. Our theme today is genocide. <laughs> And our theme today is pit bulls and whether or not they're more or less dangerous <laughs> than other dogs. Um, any other notable things, a uh, media roundup or anything from the week? Did anything happen to me this week? Um, I saw an ex earlier today and she was making piercing eye contact looking at me as I walked uh, with a cup of coffee. And so I looked up, saw her making piercing eye contact, not breaking it. So I waved and gave her a smile and she did not... <laughs> reciprocate just continued the piercing eye contact it felt like a real power move oh boy um and then i guess i just kind of went uh okay and kept walking what a way to see an ex was that it for your uh for your week roundup any other fun stories you went to that rally that's cool i did i went to that reproductive rights rally the effectiveness of it was maybe and potentially like getting people interested more interested in the issue and getting them connected to organizations if they're somewhat interested because then they could hear speakers and hear about opportunities to be like clinic defenders or help but since it wasn't a park you weren't really it wasn't a march nobody who didn't want to see us was there so 
to be honest with you, not that I would call what I did earlier today a waste of time, but it wasn't particularly like, yeah, we weren't making ourselves seen to any sort of uh, people who didn't already agree. It's kind of like when I was in a, um, I was just like in a car ride sharing thing over to an after school program a few years ago. And people in the car were kind of admonishing the idea of like stopping traffic with your protests. And someone who I think was much braver than me chimed up to be like, well, that's kind of the point, right? And I was like, is like visibility and like actually disrupting stuff. And I was too, at that point, like shy to be like, no, yeah, I think you're right. I think these people are being very like milquetoast liberal about how yeah. protests work. And then you get like those weird people who are so upset about it and they're like trying to talk about like, and then ambulances can't get through and they're stopping the traffic. It's oh, like, yeah, there's yeah. emergency lanes on every highway. And I would, I've never seen a situation where a protester didn't let an ambulance through, like, yeah. or emergency vehicles. That's like so clearly not a real problem that people like invent in their head as a problem because they want to disagree with protesting. And it's like, yeah, yeah, people getting to work late on time, it's not as bothersome to me as you think it's going to be. Like, maybe they should get to work late on time. That's the point of a protest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But anyways, anything else? Or this weekend, I decorated my costume for a tour to Davis next week, which should be crazy. Doing a little drunken bike tour all around Davis. Uh, and then I also, um, oh, I watched, uh, you know, I said I wasn't going to talk about it. I'm talking about it again. Milan Verona. Uh, there's a history for it where there's like two seasons, one in like 1990 and one in like 19, I don't know, whatever, where like us losing to them is what cost us the title. Broke the curse, 3-1 win. I'm willing to talk about it. I'm willing to curse us because there's just two more games and we just need four points. And I am so fucking jazzed about it, dude. I was so on edge watching that game um and i am very happy with the results it was a great game all right you want to talk about the theme yeah let's talk about the theme first impressions paul what was your first impression of me that, that boy sure got uh that boy i i don't actually yeah no i don't remember when you entered i cannot my mind. remember for the life of me the first time i saw you <laughs> I, I know for sure we went to the same elementary school but i think i maybe vaguely was like oh that kid is sort of friends with with Mark Hubbard. But it was you didn't really enter my mind in any bigger way than that till middle school. I think so too. Yeah, I have no idea what my actual first thought of you was because it happened when I was like 10. <laughs> so um, have you ever asked friends that you're currently friends with right now? Like what was your first impression of me? No, because I always just kind of assume the answer is that's a cool dude. Cool dude with a dude. I've thought about asking that as like a fun question before, but I'm always worried to get bad answers. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't do that, especially if the person has some sort of pent up resentment to you. That's a real opportunity for them to like uh, say something oddly mean. <laughs> the one person who has given me their take on me, which was like, uh, they prefaced it by being like, oh, well, I also hated my best friend currently because I thought they were really like, um, you know, uh, cocky during their grad school interview. Uh, and they made sure to also be like, I also thought you were really cocky in your grad school interview. And so I hated you too before you like came in and we got to know each other. And I was like, dog, during my interview, I got told that I was like placed second for like in the ranking of who to like admit. So yeah, of course I was cocky. I was like, oh, I'm going to be fine. I'll, I'll just hang out and have fun. Can I ask you a question? Is this person white? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you. That sounds so racially tinged to me. Like, yeah, like I think he should have really humbled himself. For the rest of us. 
Dave as grad school students do not like it if, if you know your worth as a person of color. They want you to humble yourself and be like, thank you. Well, to be fair, her best friend that she also thought was too cocky was just a white dude, but. Okay, okay. Yeah, so first impressions. Yeah, I don't normally ask people first impressions because I think, I don't know how I come off. I, I don't, are you one of those people that has like, um, not resting bitch face, but like one of those kind of like you have a very effusive face, like. It's very hard for me to like hide the fact when I think something is that someone when someone says something dumb, it's hard for me to hide the fact that I think it's dumb. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I'm also bad at hiding when I cringe. Um, Yeah, I have no ability to like if I hear somebody say something that like makes my skin crawl, I can't just keep a like straight nod. I kind of have to look down in a way. It might be part of we've both described uh, ourselves as bad at making eye contact and I don't think I'm mm. always really bad at it, but I am definitely bad when, I, when I'm when i embarrassed or think the other person's lame. I feel like just I feel such a difficulty maintaining eye contact. I, I get caught physically rolling my eyes when certain people talk <laughs> if I do not like them. <laughs> we really are as nasty in person as we are on pod, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a nice boy. I'm a nice boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm making myself seem meaner than I am. I think I like to pick up people and make them feel good. It about doesn't themselves. happen often. Like, there's only a very select few people that I really don't like like that. I like, will say I am a people liker. It is. It is not like it's not a vast majority of people. I like a lot of people. It's an indictment on them, not on me. Is what I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I like the vast majority of people I meet. But every once in a while, I just meet somebody who's like their personality is like nails on a chalkboard to me. God, you just, you meet a friend of a friend. Yeah. And you're forced to hang out together. And it's just like, yeah. It's, you know, it's like the whole, the sun is a star, but not every star is a sun sort Mm. of thing. But those guys were always in a frat, but not every frat guy was one of those guys. But those guys were definitely always Mm. in a frat at Club Center when it was a friend of a friend. And if they were in a frat, there was like a 20% chance they were just going to be like nails on a chalkboard. They were going to feel so fake that I couldn't bear to listen to them. I didn't meet a lot of frat dudes. For me, it was a lot of, like, I did comedy, and I didn't like doing university comedy, so, like, I really just, like, went out into the city. So it was me, it, for me, it was, like, meeting a lot of, like, 35-year-old bartender dudes who, like, would come out and talk to you, and I'd be like, oh, I don't like this dude, he's, like, weirdly spiritual, or I don't like this dude, he's, like, weirdly, oh. like, uh, contrarian, or, oh, I don't like this dude, he's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. It's mostly dudes. I don't know if there's a lot You're of You're right, I, I forgot about I it, because stoners also hate. make up a big portion of the times Ooh, when it's- That's exactly what I meant to say, yeah, stoners was another one. It was like, oh, this dude's just, like, super stony, I don't, like- There are certain stoners where they have that exact same thing, where it feels like everything they're saying is- It's a part of a bit that they're acting. Alright, first impressions. Who's made the worst first impression on you? I feel like I have to have a good answer to this, because I've definitely had some negative reactions to people. I have two two that are, like- top of my mind i'm uh, let me guess for you was it justin's friend who started talking about jordan peterson on meeting you oh that's not one i was gonna talk about but yes that also that's a bad first impression (laughs) terrible first impression was him in the meme with the guy who has his hand around a girl's neck at a baseball game with sunglasses on like talking to her that was exactly what that was was like him being like have you heard of jordan peterson and i was like this guy's a fucking idiot isn't he uh i guess one of my first weeks of college i don't know why it's such a like stark memory because it kind of feels like a dream i was on an elevator in my building down to the first floor and there was a guy in there he's going down to the first floor and he was crying and he and he was like 
my girlfriend just broke up with me, but she said now that we're long distance in college, she doesn't want to do the relationship anymore. Fucking whores, man. I found that so off-putting that I kind of avoided him every time I saw him on campus after that. I was like, what a weird thing to unload on me. I have two. One is someone who we make fun of a lot now and have made fun of in a previous episode. But I remember trying to tell one of my friends when I don't even know how to tell this story. Um, she just like she knew me, but I didn't know her. And this has happened on multiple occasions. I guess I have like a bigger than life personality in some way. But like she really like came up aggressively and talked to me at some like uh, communal thing we were doing in high school at a San Jose Mexican restaurant. And just, it was just too much energy for me. And I shut down when that happened. So like her first impression was her coming up to me and be like, oh, I know you, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it, it was also kind of offensive. I can't remember what she said, but there was something about it where I was, I just shut down and I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't want to know who you are. I don't care. <laughs> um, the other story is that it was a guy I was working with at Trader Joe's and we were, I think I was training him or maybe like I was on the shift where he was being trained. Um, but he came from another store. So we were just kind of like teaching him the ins and outs of how to do the job at our store. And at one point we're helping a customer together and he he was like, Oh, you're getting like the chocolate covered almonds. Yo, those are crazy, man. It's like mainlining heroin. And I was like, that's a weird way to talk to customers. (laughs) And so I remember thinking from that on, I was like, this is a weird dude. And I remember telling one of my managers about it, not like as like a snarky way, but I meant it like, like I was just telling him the story as like a funny story. And he got like, uh, insecure because he was like oh man like I, like that is weird but like did you think I was weird when I heard you liked Avatar and I like started talking to you about like the Legend of Korra like oh this guy's gonna talk to me about the Legend of Korra all, all the time and I was like no nah, man you're cool dude it's <laughs> this fucking weird dude he's like super weird with customers I wonder what other snacks he compares to which drugs if the chocolate covered almonds are like mainlining heroin what's like the crack cocaine of the candy world what's the oh that's the cookie butter that's the cookie butter that makes sense what's the like weed what, what what's a mellow like normal candy for for a dip night in Ooh, or knockoff reese's <laughs> what's the crocodile i'm saying our like it's still my team <laughs> what's the crocodile the weird russian candy that makes your like skin rot away oh 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 swedish swimmers oh that makes sense wow you kind of knocked yeah. that out of the park first guess on each yeah. one i'll tell you what dude i can get my job back as soon as i need to which is right after i graduate with this phd you know what? I, I'll say this. I've had bad for, I've had bad first impressions that were definitely just that, like bad first impressions. And I'll say mm-hmm. friends, girlfriends or friends, boyfriends, because and it's very oh, fair yeah. because you're usually thrown into a group of people where you don't know any of them and they're all close. And so a lot of times they make a bad first impression in the sense that you're just like, this person's kind of quiet and weird and doesn't seem to want to engage. But Mm. then, like, a month later, you like them, and it's usually just a case of, oh, yeah, like, everybody kind of feels awkward meeting the significant other's friend group. How was Pierce the first time you met him? Was he cool? Exactly. Okay, I was going to say that. So this is a twofer mirrored. Um, There's one friend who she introduced me to her boyfriend, and my first impression of him was, this guy seems kind of dumb. And I think that's true. But I still like the guy a lot now that I know him. And so that's why I have to keep that one very veiled is like, thought he was kind of an idiot. Now I realize that he's an idiot, but still a fun guy to hang out with. That's crazy you would say that about Phil. (laughs) Mandy was the one that introduced us. (laughs) 
Um, and then the other one was Pierce, where Nicole was like, oh, yeah, you like you posted your Spotify top five and I've like hung out with you for a while now. You and Pierce are like weirdly similar, like you guys would really get along. And literally the first exchange that Pierce and I had is we met at a bar in Davis. He looks at my shirt and he's like, oh, an open mic eagle shirt. And I look at his shirt and I'm like, oh, a Danny Brown shirt. And we're like, ah, cool. I like you. <laughs> and then uphill from there. <laughs> um, he likes open mic eagle. Talk about red flags, Nicole. I'm joking. For those who don't know on the podcast, that's my favorite artist. <laughs> or one of my favorite artists. Yeah. Mine's a, a little guy named Banksy, but... <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, classy art. Have you ever heard of Van Gogh, Paul? Have you ever heard of uh, Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci? <laughs> um, any any, uh, any other first impressions? Oh, oh, hold on. So this is not what wait, I brought wait. in. Should but... we talk about the first impressionist painters? Since we're... The first impressions? Yeah, the first impression. <laughs> Should we talk about when you take a baby and you put their, like, footprint on, like, cement to, like, <laughs> get their first impression? <laughs> I think that's pretty okay. cute. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cute little cute it thing cute. to have the footprint of a baby. Did I ever tell you that one of the stand-up bits that I used to have was about how at a thrift store, I found someone's, like, kindergarten thing where you, like, make a silhouette of your face and cut it out. And I was like, who's, who's donating that to Goodwill? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know that's a dad that did that there's definitely not a mom who was like you know what we gotta make some room i'm gonna give this to goodwill oh uh, <laughs> i remember making those in kindergarten i can't imagine how like defeated i would feel <laughs> if they just donated that. adrian the crazy twist to the story is that that kid died okay and that that uh, imprint reminded oh, them of their I dead do have a story child. about that though should i tell that story of when your kid died, yes, I'm interested no, in the. There was a time where <laughs> I was at a thrift shop, uh, thrift shopping after eating Indian food with Adam Young. Um, the, we were at the Goodwill next across the street, and we were looking for things. And I saw a shirt called uh, that had like the logo for Camp Chemo, so it was like a thing for like um, pediatric oncology, so uh, kids that have uh, cancer. And I look at Adam, and I'm like, "Why would someone donate this shirt?" <laughs> and then both of my <laughs> Both of us just realized simultaneously why that is, and yeah. Um, anyways, fill in the gaps yourself if you need to. One of the things that I was going to bring in for a column that I ended up not bringing in was first impressions for interviews, um, which I kind of got at a little bit earlier with the whole There was this one about. time I was at a Goodwill, and I pick up this shirt, and I see it says, like, year 2000, World Trade Center, a softball team. And I was like, wait, why would somebody do- Oh. Yeah, there was one where I went to where it was like 1987 um, Jonestown uh, family <laughs> meetup. <laughs> Any other shirts you found at Goodwill? No, I've never, other than the, that <laughs> shirt, I've never found any shirts. I, bu- I bought you a shirt I, I'm, 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 One time I was at Goodwill and I saw this shirt and it said, uh, being Jewish club in 1930s Germany, and I was like, wait, why would somebody donate that? Oh. <laughs> um, can I can I tell you one of my hot takes that I disagreed with one of the people who I do not uh, like as a person, and I was like, I'm not surprised that we find different views on this thing? Handshakes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's so obvious that we're gonna what we're going to both say, which is that handshakes are not an indication of a person's personality, and that is ridiculous. But, like, we were talking about handshakes, and we are disagreeing about it, and he was like, I think handshakes are, like, a really good way to make a good first impression. And I was like, uh, they're stupid, 
Uh, I grew up in a like state where old white men try and judge your worth based on how hardy your uh, fucking handshake is. Yeah. I purposely do a dainty, like I put a hand out and like you know do like an ashante. Like I literally do that to like subvert the expectation of like, oh, a man needs to have like a nice grip and like a like fuck that bullshit. Is the I, I think it's the stupidest thing ever. I absolutely hate it. I think it's a stupid way to judge somebody. Yeah, obviously, I do think it's a an odd take for you to say that you're purposefully doing a dainty handshake oh no i think that's the right way to do things if you want to change things you got to subvert the expectations then don't do a handshake do what carry around little business cards that say i subvert the expectation of having to do a handshake i believe they are part of the patriarchy and are a toxic masculinity I think that spells it out a little bit too much <laughs> no no 100 but i do agree the whole like handshake culture is so stupid it's like one of those things where I imagine you, like, read it online or you have, like, a weird dad who, like, ingrains it way too much into you that that matters. And it's like, I mean, does it, it doesn't take a semi, like, smart person to think about that for a second and be like, oh, that's stupid. Who cares about a handshake? How would that possibly- It says something about a man. Indicate anything else about a personality other than how much they care about handshakes. But- did we subvert our own introduction where we said this is a neutral topic where we can't get heated about it and <laughs> controversial about it? Ugh. Um, I 100% agree. I think a lot of the first impression bullshit, like having a good handshake, having the right format for your CV, whatever kind of bullshit, it's, it's all dumb. People hype themselves up about it because they think, well, because it does matter, but then they also convince themselves that not only does it matter, but it... it, it it's so funny to watch people convince themselves that it's an honest, it's an honest reflection of a person's it's quality. Honest signal, because it, that's the meritocracy we live in. Everything is bullshit, but you have to convince yourself that you knowing the right type of bullshit and succeeding because of it means that you're better than others. But just people, it's so frustrating when you then see people backsplain that to pretend that somehow yeah. a handshake does make you a better person. Because they're so convinced we live in a meritocracy, they have to backsplain it in their brain that somehow it is a signifier of quality in a human being. We took this theme and still made it into burn the system down. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess we got on a we we got to a weird place. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're in a good place. I think this is a really good way to take this uh, theme. All right, do you want to get into articles? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this is um, Barbara Pressman. This is from uh, September 1st, 2008. How do I make a good first impression? Dear Barbara, I have been asked to sub in a new school. I hear it's a wonderful school. And if they like me, I'm hoping to be a regular there. I really want to make a good first impression. Any suggestions on how to start off on the right foot? Cindy in San Diego. Okay, my mom was a substitute teacher. I think you know that, Adrian. Um, I do. And and she did tell me that substitute teaching was like prison. Like, the first thing you want to do when you get in there is, like, <laughs> stab the biggest, baddest dude. That is true. And if by stab, you mean make them some delicious baklava and get on their good side. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom, I think, has always been a really charming person, and I think people really like her. Uh, mm-hmm. But there was one school that didn't like her, and she was really embarrassed to talk about it growing up, so I never really got the full story, but there was something with a mm. teacher who didn't like her at Lexington Middle School because she was Arab or had an accent, and Ugh. like went to the principal and got her like kicked out of being able to substitute there, so she always had to substitute at every other school. Yeah, some teacher had some 
thing against my mom at that school and my mom seemed really like humiliated by it so she never really talked about it in any great I mean, that detail seems shitty as fuck yeah um so d- d- don't be foreign is a tip don't be foreign don't be foreign don't have an accent don't have an accent i would say good first impression for a school be one of those teachers that's like hey guys come on now it's a substitute teacher day baby we ain't doing nothing <laughs> My mom, it's so funny because she's always complaining about how, like, what would you call it, unrespectful the students are, but then she also has this thing yeah. where she kind of seems charmed by it. She's like, mm-hmm. like, she'll be like, oh my god, they literally would not do their work all day. Like, these kids nowadays, it's like, how do they learn anything? I'm like, well, you're a substitute. They probably are acting worse when you're around. But yeah, of course. Uh, she's always like, yeah, how do they learn anything? But anyway, this one kid, he, like, was talking to another girl. He told her she he, he liked her and then she slapped him. And she always seems, like, charmed by their <laughs> antics. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good entertainment. Uh, she seems, I, I like that she seems like she likes some, despite being uh, <laughs> distraught at their ability to learn. But I do like your idea of stabbing the biggest, baddest person in there. It's, 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 I don't know if it's high school or middle school. What is it? Hold on. Wait, wait. Yeah, just a wonderful Would you school. say the biggest, baddest teacher or the biggest, baddest student? Who are you going to attack? That's what I was saying is that in, in elementary school, it should be a teacher. In middle school and high school, there are some of those kids that reach like six feet at like 12 years old. And that's the one where you go give them a big old swing right in the fucking jaw. And you'll <laughs> probably, like, if they're a piece of shit student, you'll earn the respect of all the teachers who are like, hey, we could, we weren't allowed to do that. That's exactly what you go to the biggest fucking dude uh in school you punch him and then you say hey let's watch bill nye guys come on <laughs> you're saying this like it's not an idea our friend hunter tried in elementary school when he tried to fight the coolest kid in school to become cooler <laughs> i didn't say coolest i said biggest i don't think we Fair. i don't think our hierarchies work in the same way as like chimpanzees <laughs> hey adrian we just spent the whole first half of this podcast talking about how we've barely evolved past those sort of uh damn that's true so, yeah, I don't know. I thought this was a funny one because I think the idea of a first impression with a substitute is like, of course, from the student side, which is what we know, uh, although you do have the perspective of your mom telling you about it, it's like, of course, all you want is a substitute teacher that's like, hey, I'm a substitute teacher. You basically got the day off. <laughs> like, that's all students really want. The best thing you can do as a teacher if you want your kids to not goof off is put on a video when there's a substitute teacher. I think I've told the story before, but I did once have a long-term substitute teacher. I think I got cut from the podcast. She was clearly a young teacher trying to, like, figure out the way of teaching. And she wanted to, like, let us be loose with the rules. So she would, like, let us do cool things. Like, you can take your shoes off if you want. Or you can uh, drink anything besides water if you want. Uh, Non-alcoholic. And there was, at the end of the year, the standardized test that we had to take, and it was on her desk, and a notable cool dude, David Barboza, put an open bottle of Gatorade, red Gatorade, on her desk, and accidentally bumped into it walking backwards and knocked it all over our standardized (laughs) test. The principal came to, like, figure out the situation. She was like, no, I only let them drink water, of course. Like, I don't let them drink anything besides that. And all of us were like, come on, dude. You you can't you can't flip-flop like that. You either gotta be the cool teacher or not. What a fucking bitch-ass fucking dark. <laughs> Threw young David Barboza under the bus. Exactly. I was like, god damn, dude. Come on, man. I don't like David either, but you can't do that to him. Adrian learned an important lesson that day about how politicians are always looking out for themselves, looking out for number one. Authority will always betray you. (laughs) So in in the general sense of, I I do find your story funny because I'm thinking about how, 
you can tell when a young teacher or a substitute is trying on a personality to see if it works. Yeah. And I remember one time in college, I had somebody who I guess it was like their first time TA, not TA, I guess she was a post grad teaching a class. But she she mentioned it was the first class she was teaching, whatever the situation was. And I remember so clearly like seeing the strings of her trying on the personality as a hard ass to teach mm. our class. And it was kind of humiliating like i it made me uncomfortable yeah. and it was also like she was trying to be mean and tough in a way that was like so you're not likable from that perspective but you're also not likable because it's so obvious that i see you're trying to be like a hard ass as yeah. part of your brand you're trying to like develop and there was this one really particular thing she said so she told us it was the first class she was ever teaching and she was like putting down the law about how she would not take any absences like she was like, if you have two absences, your letter grade goes down by one. I was like, I think the college doesn't even let you do that rule. I think it has to be three, but she said dude, two. I fucking hate that, dude. The professors who have the really cliche thing where they're like, death is not an ex- even death is not an excuse to like literally, miss my class or whatever. Literally, that's what yeah. she said. She said, uh, if you have a death in the family, I need to see a eulogy. Who says that on day one? Like, what a weird, like, I'm trying yeah. to set myself up as a villain. If you have a death in the family, I need to see a eulogy. And then the best part was, right after all of that, she went, also, just so some, so you guys know, I'm actually, my mother has cancer, so I may have to li- miss or cancel class last minute, depending on my life circumstances. I was like, do you not see the hip, like... <laughs> You're asking for, like, you're asking for a little bit of leeway and some basic human understanding that you were just talking about how you would refuse to give because you're yeah. trying to put on this personality of a cool, badass teacher who doesn't take shit. Yeah, no, I, yeah, thinking of college, I think the only thing I can think of is that I have subbed in for other people before to teach labs as a grad student. Um, but I did substitute once for the same person and twice in the same quarter, so I got the same students. And uh, when I walked in there, I I was just really lax about it, man. It was just like, whatever, man, I'm a sub. I'll teach you how to do the thing you need to do, but let's get out of here. I was like, I was literally like, I didn't realize they even made lab from like 7 to 8.30 p.m. That's ridiculous. Let's get out of here as soon as possible. (laughs) Uh, She has tickets to Hamilton, and I want to go do whatever I want to do tonight. So let's get out of (laughs) here. Somebody had tickets to Hamilton? Did you switch? You were like, wait, wait, wait. We're switching the concept of this lab to why Hamilton's bad. No, that's why I had to sub for her, and then I was on fellowship. Oh, the other teacher. I thought a student had tickets to Hamilton. I was like, you (laughs) should have. It was my friend Cornchip, who I call by the nickname Cornchip, and I did make sure to tell her students corn chips gone today <laughs> and i was like maybe i shouldn't have told you the nickname that i call her by but <laughs> i'm in her grad group i'm a year older i've taught this class multiple times you'll be fine we're gonna do this i'm a notoriously bad writer um as many people who listen to this podcast might be able to discern from my bad english skills speaking it also transcends to the world of writing i remember having a lab once where our german ta who clearly english was not her first language very heavy accent wrote on one of my papers use better english and i was like "Ooh, that is an indictment i should probably become a better writer damn and i I think i actually worked on it and now i'm relatively good at communicating in the written form yeah i mean do you ever have like a substitute teacher who subbed for like the teacher that you hated the most or anything like that or yes i remember there was a teacher in sixth grade seventh grade i forget what it was she was a science teacher and she was known for Mm. being particularly like you know tough and i remember she disappeared for a couple days we had like a substitute for a couple days 
And then when she returned, like the Monday or something, like the smallest thing for like, she was such a hard ass, like everybody was always really silent in her class. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember it was the smallest thing, like a troublemaking student did like, not even something that bad by his standards, like maybe just like, Mm. I don't know, like, talk to somebody or coughed loudly on purpose to make like a to make a noise and bother the teacher or something and i remember she broke down in tears and said my husband said i shouldn't have come back this soon you guys are horrible holy shit and i was like i guess i'm glad i'm a good kid so i wasn't the target of this like breakdown but that is yeah i got her dad died and that's heavy dude yeah that's too much to put on kids it's man too that's much one of the, to like, put on that's kids. one of the main rules of like being an adult around kids is you can't put your own shit on kids yeah. dude and that kid i remember the kid who like made the sound he was like that blonde kid i can't remember his name he was an ass but i remember like being like even he doesn't deserve this like come on like he just like yeah. he made a little like he was being an ass like he is every day but like even he doesn't deserve to have your personal shit put on him at that level all right cool Let's see what this answer is about how to make an impression as a substitute teacher in San Diego, California. Dear Cindy, I am happy to see that you are conscious of first impressions. People make snap judgments about others, especially in a work environment. So do your best to make that first impression a good one. Dress professionally and appropriately. Take the night before to prepare your clothes for the next day. When you show that you care enough about yourself to dress well, others will respect you for it. It's always a good idea to dress a step or two above your current role. If you want to be seen as a true professional, be sure to dress accordingly. Because these children are gonna, like, (laughs) children really care about appropriate, like, professional dress attire? Of course they do. Like, Mrs. L, you're wearing jeans. What are you? You don't even care about your work? Your mom didn't have jeans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my mom never went by Miss L. She went by Missy e and Miss K. No, she definitely went by Miss L. Did she? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, the time she substituted for me, yeah. Uh, well, she started going by Miss K when our name changed. I guess that makes sense. But um, Anyways, here's the next half of the uh, answer. <laughs> when you walk in, introduce yourself at the office with a smile and a handshake. Find your room, write your name, and date on the board. Greet your students at the door. Um, when class begins, take time to introduce yourself. Be sure to tell the students some personal things about you and tell them you hope to learn about them as the day goes on. At the end of the day, leave the room clean and neat. Write an upbeat note, say goodbye at the office staff, and tell them what a delightful day you've had and that you hope to be back soon. My guess is that you'll be back as soon as a sub is needed. And that's it for that one, buddy. All right. You want to hear my article? Uh, Yeah, let's hear it. My article comes from the humanist.com's Ask Richard. So I'm just going to jump into the question. Dear Richard, I'm an 18-year-old girl from Sweden and in my last year in high school. Two years ago, I met the most wonderful guy, and we've been together ever since. He has been with me despite a lot of hardships, and if it isn't already obvious, I love him very much. The problem is that he is Muslim, and I come from a deeply fundamentalist Christian home. Yes, We actually do have a few fundamentalists up here. I'm not a fundamentalist myself, but my parents are, and they aren't too happy about my choice of boyfriend. My parents are browbeating me, telling me I'm ruining their lives, and trying to turn my younger sister against me. They have never met my boyfriend, and they cite the Bible to qualify their hatred for him. Often, their behavior frightens me. 
my mother will sometimes become hysterical and disappear from the house, and both my parents have mentioned committing suicide. I've tried to hold my own, presenting logical arguments to reassure them that my boyfriend is a good person, but they are relentless in their irrational loathing and disapproval. I probably would have broken up with my boyfriend already, just to have peace, if it wasn't for the moral support of my friends and my grandmother, who approve of the relationship. I'm under no delusion that my relationship with my boyfriend will last forever, but I feel standing up for the relationship is important for my own personal freedom, my right to write my own future free of my parents' expectations and prejudices. However, I also really don't want to hurt my parents, and I'm still financially dependent on them. My question is, how can I assert my freedom to follow my own path without losing my parents, especially when my rational arguments cut no ground with them because they believe the Bible reigns supreme? Dahlia. Sounds like some not-so-fun dementalist Christians. So, he's made the first impression before meeting them by having well, his religion. that's what I was saying. First impressions way before, you know... Have you? Oh, that's another thing I forgot to ask you off top. Have you ever had someone? I I think I mentioned this, but like someone be like, "Oh, I've heard a lot about you." Well, I think once in high school, and I was like, "People talk about me. That's weird. I don't feel." Like I had the that happen in grad school with an ecology grad student. I was literally like, "Oh, that's weird." Was my response to her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's I, it's kind of telling that in Sweden, eighteen year olds write into thehumanist.com. dot com. Mm. What are they doing up there? I like how the stereotype is usually that, like, the crazy high school boyfriend who's too emotional and threatens to commit suicide when you try to break up with him. But yeah. this twist is her parents, her mom and dad, both threatening to commit <laughs> suicide. <laughs> Which is not something to laugh at. That's a really serious emotional abuse on their part. That is crazy by them, yeah. But it is so hilariously juvenile at the same... It's a juvenile form of emotional abuse. It's like the emotional abuse that usually a high school boy comes up with, not that two adults in tandem (laughs) employ. Both of her parents are like, if you date him, we're gonna run away and never come back. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Mm. This is a sad one. It's very prejudiced. Well, it, it, they say it's from 2010, but I have to assume from what I've heard about Sweden that this sort of sentiment's only increased in the last decade there. Hey, man, look at their intake of refugees and see what the difference is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't really know what you're getting at, but... Mm-hmm. I think you should both become atheists. The The daughter already seems like she is. Well, I thought she was, like, not fundamental, but she was religious. Oh, got you. Well, I guess just because she was writing it as a humanist, I assumed she was atheist. Yeah, that's a good thing. Why not just tell your parents that he's not Muslim? Tell them. But it's almost certainly, like, they don't like him for being brown, not the fact. It's probably not a white Muslim. No, no, no. Muslim has never been a proxy for brown. (laughs) It's probably not, uh, it's probably not Dr. Oz and a Sufi Muslim who's just a white dude. (laughs) It's Mehmet Oz. (laughs) He's like, actually, you should be eating these probiotics and these superfoods. <laughs> it's not Islan Paxinar. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Another white Turkish dude. Uh, fair enough. 
It's so crazy that Dr. Oz is uh, Turkish. I really, I was so confused when I thought, I thought he was Muslim in the same way white people were like uh, Buddhist. Like I thought he just picked it up. Like, it Did was, he really? I think, yeah. I think he has enough flavor to him where I'm like, oh, that seems like a, a spicy white. Oh, he seemed so white to me. Okay. So wait, what's the question is what do I do about my yeah. boyfriend? She, yeah. she's already tried. She mentioned multiple times how she's already tried employing logical arguments with her parents and they're. They're not really caring about facts and logic. They're some real anti-Ben Shapiro's. Mm, makes sense. Um, let's see. Uh, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Make sure to let them know that. I remember that from my <laughs> Yeah, Adrian, days. if we give her bad advice, both her parents might commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? Um... You know, I'm usually not for cutting your family off, and I know she needs them for support, but she should really think about getting out of there. This is, like, a case of very real emotional abuse, so cutting your family off is appropriate. Did she have a, uh, like, a clear, like, I need my parents to get me through college, or one of those things, or was it just, like... Uh, yeah, um, she said, uh, I don't really want to hurt my parents, and I'm still financially dependent on them. Uh, But it's Sweden, right? You guys have a welfare state. Yeah, you guys have welfare queens riding up and down the street. Oh, your Muslim boyfriend can't provide? Okay, maybe he should worship a different god if that one can't. Hey, can yeah, maybe the god of money. Um, Whiteify your boyfriend. Uh, teach him how to kiss dogs on the mouth. Teach him how to listen to Imagine Dragons. Teach him how to wear boat shoes. Yeah, whiteify him. You think if you can get like a frat brown dude, they'd be okay with it? If they got like a, Dave and, a Devon sh- They'd be okay with it. <laughs> I think so, right? Yeah, I don't really know how like the mind of a parent like this works, to be honest. So I don't know. I don't necessarily believe in soulmates. So maybe just find a Swedish guy who you like, Ooh. who's white. I mean, I'm just trying to give practical advice. That's all I'm saying. Oh, get him to do a '90s style earpiece into a white, blonde, Swedish, blue-eyed dude's uh, ear. And have them have a whole night together where they hang out and talk. And at the end of the night, reveal that everything that that guy said was what your boyfriend was actually saying. So the only reason they couldn't like him is because of the way he looks. (laughs) I really like that. I think that's foolproof. I really can't see how that would go wrong. And then say, gotcha, you're racist. You're on live. Here we go. (laughs) Let's get him, everybody. Cancel your parents. We've Cancel your parents, honey. Come on. Have your parents read the Quran? It's pretty convincing. Maybe you could convert them to Islam. That's true. That's true. You could do that. You know, I was I, I was having this discussion when I was talking about us doing that eventual uh, church episode where I was talking about going to the mosque in Davis. And one of my friends was telling me like, oh, mosques aren't very welcoming. Like they're not like churches where it's like whoever comes in is like welcome to come. And I was like, I don't think that's true. But I, I thought all churches were like whoever think, we can get will get whoever. <laughs> like, But I guess I don't know a lot about mosques because my understanding was like of their daily prayers, which does seem very involved if you don't know what you're doing. It's not like a church where you just sit down in the pew. I guess so, but I just assumed every church was like, we're trying to get whoever we can get. Like, you know, like, if you if it's your first time, we'll welcome you in. That, no, that makes sense, because Islam is famously, like, a, a religion that tries to proselytize and grow. It's not like Judaism, where they're like, you know what, we're happy with the number of people we have. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Even though Dorley's knocking at the door. Islam is much like Christianity. Yeah, but that's exactly it. With 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 Judaism, you have to knock at the door and take classes and like do their mm-hmm. thing. With Islam and Christianity, it's like the people are coming to you to let you know the good word. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that feels wrong. There has to be a day where they would let like people come in. I think they want converts. Mm. Much like most Christian churches want to save a soul. What I assume too, yeah. Mind if I read the answer, or do you have any more ideas? No, go ahead and read the answer. I have nothing much. Uh, your parents are being prejudiced. Your parents are being dumb. Uh, love who you want to love. Sometimes that means breaking away from your parents. And I know plenty of people who are currently planning weddings because I'm at that age and have told me like, yep, we just kind of had to cut out this part of our family to do that and to have our wedding and be it, have it be a pleasant experience. But maybe Paul feels differently. No, yeah, you're right. I do feel differently. I'm pro-prejudice. I think these parents have a great point. He admitted. it. <laughs> he admitted. it. Yeah. <laughs> Please, everybody, that was ironic. Don't cut that and put it out of context. The answer is, Dear Dahlia, your parents are acting like children. Emotionally, they appear to be far younger than you are. When grown-ups act like children, others can easily slip into acting like parents in response. It is important for you to respond to them as an adult but not as a parent. Damn, I wish he was going the other direction. I was like, what if he was like, put on a bib and be like, goo goo gaga. <laughs> your parents are trying to get you to take responsibility for their hurt feelings and then use your guilt to make you comply with their wishes. That ends up putting you in the role of the dedicated parent and them in the role of the vulnerable children. Sometimes this kind of manipulation can be stopped by confronting the perpetrators directly about their childish and selfish behavior. However, I don't get the impression that would work in this case. Your parents' tactics are shameless. So, another way to deal with this kind of emotional blackmail is to ignore it. Like the flu, you suffer at first, but then you become immune to it. When your parents try to provoke you or guilt trip you, maintain your equanimity. Somebody has word of the day toilet paper. Show no frustration or upset. Respond as if they just said something that has nothing to do with you and is of no interest to you. Say something like, "Uh Uh-huh, okay, I'm going out now, and I'll be back in the afternoon. I love you, mom and dad. Bye. Have no hint of disdain or contempt in your voice. You must sound emotionally neutral, as if you were discussing what to pick up at the market. This is what I mean by playing the role of adult instead of parent or the child. To be clear, this is not about becoming cold and uncaring. You care about someone else's feelings, but you cannot take care of their feelings. That's their job. Always include that I love you, mom and dad, part of the message, to show you do love them. You just won't play their game. Completely disregard invitations to argue with them. You've already tried your best rational arguments, and they didn't work. If they ask about something that is none of their business, act as if they didn't say anything at all. Ignore anything they say that's childish or antagonistic. Only respond to respectful adult speech and always speak to them as a respectful adult. Free yourself from the fear of losing them. That vague, scary idea could run you around like a frantic slave. Whatever losing actually means in real terms is probably not that likely. Keep in mind that underneath their obsession with controlling you, your parents probably have an awful fear of losing you. When things are less emotionally charged, you may be able to reassure them that you aren't rejecting them. You're just asserting yourself. If there is to be real peace in your family again, it is not going to be because they accept a boyfriend. It will be because they accept you as an independent adult. That may take some time, and it is usually gradual, so prepare to be patient. Dahlia, you want freedom to follow your own path. That freedom is for adults, so play the part. 
You're not yet financially independent, but you can be emotionally independent. Regardless of whatever dramas others choose to play out, walk your path with the composure, poise, and dignity of a woman who is her own person. I think you have all that it takes. Richard. Yeah, I don't know. That was good. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was like a very serious question, so it required a serious answer. Alright, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Yeah, I don't have much to say about that. It was, it was good. It was good. Cool. Alright, Adrian, are you ready for the third segment? I am indeed. Okay, cool. To set up the third segment, can I ask you a question? Of course not, Brian. What's the YouTube version of First Impressions? Uh, a short? Or a... What if I got, like, say, a bunch of uh, millennials together or teens together and asked them to give me their first impression on something? Is it a reaction vid? Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's go, dude, Pride Rock. <laughs> but I thought that actually making you do a reaction video wasn't great for the audio format. Okay, that makes sense. So this segment is called Adrian Reacts. Okay. But you're going to be reacting to, since the reactions are very popular YouTube World format. War II footage? You're going to be reacting to YouTube drama. So I've okay. sourced 14 different big YouTube scandals. That seems like a lot. From 17.com. I didn't think there was that much YouTube drama. And I just wanted to get your Adrian reacts on them. Let me know. Let the people know what you think. Do I know these people or? Some of them. You can probably guess like some of the big ones. Like I'll go ahead and uh, spoil Logan Paul's on Mr. the list. Mr. Beast. But this is sourced from 17.com, 15 of YouTube's most horrifying scandals and controversies. Why would they not make it 17 if that's their brand? <laughs> <laughs> is there a, a name for this third segment? Adrian reacts. Adrian reacts. Okay. Let's go. All right. I'm ready for it. What is your first impression of I'm J Station faking his girlfriend's death to get more subscribers? You got to do what you got to (laughs) do. Did he get more subscribers from it? No. She well, the girl left him of the girlfriend whose death he faked left him and the police arrived at his place with a warrant for the for his arrest. (laughs) Okay, this is probably a bad precedent to set, but all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> good on him. Uh, and the channel ended over this drama of her saying that he abused her after he'd faked her death. Uh, all right, never mind. <laughs> Let me backtrack a little bit. I'm going to say my first impression of that is he's in the wrong. He's a big doo-doo head. Okay, Reset was sentenced to jail over an Oreo toothpaste prank. He was sentenced to 15 months in prison and given a $22,000 fine after he filmed himself handing a homeless man an Oreo filled with toothpaste instead of cream. Seems harsh. Really? He poisoned a homeless guy. It's filled with toothpaste. Is toothpaste poisonous in that much quantity or? The Barcelona court found him guilty of violating the moral integrity of his prank victim. I don't know, Adrian. You're on the side of the people harassing homeless people here. Yikes from me. No, I, I'm on the side of the against the carceral state where... Oh, damn, you got we're giving, Yeah, we're giving people that much time for doing that. I don't know, man. That that seems harsh to me. 
they make peppermint Oreos. Like it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to be like, oh, this tastes like in the bounds of what Oreos are allowed to taste Spanish like. Spanish law usually allows suspension of sentences of less than two years for first time nonviolent offenders. So that's what he was sentenced with. I do know that because of soccer players. <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of tax evading soccer players, I know that. Wait, you think so wait, you think he deserved what was a year in prison or Judge Rosa Aragonas? Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Kamala heads don't come for me. This was uh, explained how this was not an isolated act and that Reset enacted cruel behaviors towards vulnerable victims. Oh, well then how am I supposed to judge it based on the fact that the evidence is that it's a like pattern of behavior? You set me up to fail on that one. <laughs> Paul's like... trying to cancel me. I don't know why. He needs a co-host. You see, this one is number three on the list. I don't know if it's... It's like a little bit more vague than the rest, but Shane Dawson, Philip DeFranco, and H3H3 Productions. God, I hate that I know all of those people. <laughs> uh, have promoted BetterHelp, an online counseling service that claims to provide professional and affordable therapy. The scandal is that a lot of people claim BetterHelp does not do that and is a scam. So are, three, are those three people who took BetterHelp's uh, money for ads endorsing a scam? Um, let's go ahead and throw in Rhett and Link. Let's go ahead and throw in Freedom, I think, has done that as well. I think Comedy Bang Bang has as well. I think Watcher has as well. There's a lot of things that have like fallen into the uh, BetterHelp camp. And from what I know from the comments is that they used to be terrible. Apparently they changed based on feedback. But um, if they didn't properly vet the people that that's, that's sponsoring them, I don't know. Because there's also like some more news where like they were sponsored by like... um. What is it? HelloFresh. And then HelloFresh came out as being like super anti allowing their workers to unionize. But they did do the thing where they're like, we let HelloFresh Hello sponsor us. And now we disavow that they fucking suck. They're anti-union. So I've never seen anyone do that for better help. So I'm going to say that, yeah, if, if you're still allowing that site to sponsor you and you don't give any kind of like really direct statement about how they at least used to suck. Uh, yeah, uh, th th my first impression is that you suck. I, scam is a harsh word. I think those online mental health services are predatory to probably like the same degree that like a furniture rental company is predatory. Like yeah. maybe in some ways they offer a service, but in a lot of ways in any decent society, they wouldn't exist and real mental health services would be more accessible. Mm. Even during the pandemic? Even during the pandy. Beauty vloggers slammed for racist comments. This is about Jeffree Star. Oh, okay. Jeffree does use he, him pronouns, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. I would have to check, but I'm pretty confident. Because I, I, I know him from his, like, when he used to make music days, so. After Shane Dawson's docuseries about Jeffree dropped in August, Gabriel shaded Jeffree, bringing up his racist comments from 10 years ago. In response, Jeffree's fans found offensive tweets from Gabriel, Manny, Nikita, and Laura. As a result, Gabriel, Manny, and Laura all posted their own remorseful apology videos. I love how this sounds like when a teenager's telling you about their friend group. Like, <laughs> yeah, this sounds <laughs> All these so... names by first name, like we know. My then at the end of September, that... Jeffrey wore cornrows for a Jeffree Star cosmetics campaign. People were not yeah. amused. 
Jackie took to Twitter to criticize his campaign and racist comments in the past. Just a few weeks later, YouTuber Thomas Halbert posted a video about racism in the beauty community, referring to but not directly mentioning Jeffrey by his name. When Jeffrey responded with text receipts that would clear his name, Thomas fired back by accusing Jeffrey of blackmailing his friends, including himself. According to Thomas, Jeffrey had made a compilation video with problematic moments captured while filming with YouTubers. Jeffrey then hinted that he was spilling tea soon, though that video has yet to come. That's a lot. Uh, my first impression is that that's a lot. My second impression is that the beauty community is probably horribly toxic, from what I know. Um, my third impression is that I know ContraPoints did the whole thing about how that one guy from the beauty community got canceled unfairly because there's the whole pipeline of being canceled that like you know like we talked about how like there were four people there right charles had like the whole mommy gang or something sisters he was yeah, yeah, he yeah. had sister he had sisters um and then you you mentioned four people who got their like old tweets brung up but we didn't mention what any of those tweets actually said and so it's all equivocating it's all like everyone has problematic tweets and it's like well no like what did what did they actually say like what how bad is what they said so my first impression is that i do not know nearly enough about this to make a jeff uh so i looked it up and it was crazy because all the tweets were actually exactly the same and they all tweeted out if you've been sucking dick in the parking lot don't put your hands up if you don't got that (laughs) hiv shit put your hands up lady if your pussy smell like water put a cell phone like the uh fellas lights up fellas if you ain't sucking nigga dick in the parking lot put your cell phone like let's be real about this shit yeah keep it fucking real some of y'all niggas suspect as a motherfucker let's be real you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, any of them deadly sexual transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two, three weeks, put a cell phone lighting it up. Okay. In which case, I think we can't equivocate those. Um, my impression is that Jeffree Star seems kind of like a trash human being, but I don't know. Jacqueline Hill filed for divorce after nine years with her husband. Jacqueline and John Hill divorced after nine years together. After much speculation, the two posted their respective breakup statements on Instagram. The statements fueled fans to dig up old tweets and videos where they low-key shaded each other. But in July, Jacqueline insisted on Twitter that she did not cheat on John. She wrote, And for the record, no, I did not cheat on John. At the end of the day, nobody on social media knows the full truth. Please stop trying to dig up shit to carry this on when him and I are both moving on. Uh, my first impression is that this is what happens when you make parasocial relationships, is that people are going to feel the need to take a side um or to feel connected to a person even after they've done something which actually isn't wrong like you know getting divorced uh is not a a morally thing wrong thing to do but it's somehow this thing where people need to take sides i've I've actually had that before with just people who break up when i'm friends with both of them um and it is one of those things where i think the natural inclination is to try and figure out who's right and who's wrong so you can figure out who you can continue to be friends with um and what you have to remember it's it's usually the child's fault yeah, and I, I assume they had a child, so it was Jacqueline and John and Jeremy. <laughs> my 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 first impression of this is that it seems like one of those things where I really hope we never get fans that are that parasocial with us because like Oh Jesus I do. I would Christ, rather have like, that than be a nobody. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> Paul's in his fucking room being like, I wanna be a Hollywood star, baby. <laughs> Alright, for number six. Logan Paul filmed the dead body. Oh, I know this one. First impression? This might be hard to get your first impression. You've had too long to think about it. Should we skip it? First impression? That's what I want to do when I'm in Japan. 
commit suicide in the suicide forest? No, no, no. Film it. <laughs> hey, that would get us some buzz for this podcast if we did the sequel to that video. The squeakquel, if oh, you will. Oh, publicity is good publicity. That's what I'm saying, girl. Come on now. Okay, uh, Rage Stew live-streamed himself trespassing on Rice Gum's property and alleged he was beaten. YouTuber Rage Stew filmed a livestream of himself literally breaking the law and low-key bragging about it by trespassing onto private property with the goal of breaking into Rice Gum's house. Rage Stew already broke into Jake Paul's Team 10 house. While trespassing, he was opening gates and actually jumped into the property. YouTuber Faze K and other people approached Rage Stew and asked what the heck he was doing. Some kind of scuffle broke out. He managed to escape until a police helicopter was used to find him and arrest him. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like that one. Go sub to Rage Stew. Adrian supports him. So wait, there was, what is, it was two different things? There was Rage Stew and right... He's done two different infiltrations? Yeah, he also broke into uh, Jake Paul's Team 10 house. Mm. I guess that's his thing. He's a YouTuber who breaks into more famous YouTubers' houses. That's, honestly, I don't, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That takes some skill. What, what was Everyone's... that movie with Emma Watson, The Bling Ring? I never watched it, but I imagine, wasn't that kind of the plot, except this guy just films it? I don't, I don't know what that movie is. I know Ocean's Eleven. Not a real Hermione head over here. Hey, I'm not. That was Mark's thing in high school. Mark was super into Emma Watson. <laughs> YouTuber Nicole Arbor made a notorious video titled Dear Fat People. In the sixth Wait, is that her real name? Does she not like have a YouTuber name? She's not like uh, Mr. Wakey Wacky Woo or whatever? Nicole Arbor. Here's a picture mm -hmm. of her if you're curious. Okay, I'm not mad at that. She made a video titled Dear Fat People. In the six-minute clip, she savagely and mercilessly condemned people who were overweight and obese. She even went so far as to share an airplane story about literally pushing a person's fat into their seat on an airplane because it was in her space. Quoted, she said, Fat shaming? Who came up with that? That's fucking brilliant. Yes, shame people who have bad habits until they fucking stop. First impression? Yes. If I was fat, I would think hip-hop hates me. Have you seen the comments on the message boards lately? You're fat. You're fat. As all they say, I can't think of any more of the uh, Macklemore rap, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. My first impression is, impression is that like she can probably garner a pretty big audience, but like it's not going to last. Like I think the tides are clearly turning a certain way. Although it is one of those things where I, I subscribe to that subreddit of uh, Change My View, which is just like a hub of like alt-right people trying to like convince themselves that they have the right worldview even though they clearly don't and it's so often that people do the like well i'm not fat phobic but like we have to accept that like certain body types just aren't healthy or whatever and it's uh it's uh so maybe it's not going anywhere really soon but it, it's on its way out i think and so like if i was her i would my first impression would be like maybe try and figure out a different niche maybe be really big about um you know like uh hip-hop that's that's having its moment in the sun right now maybe really big about uh, uh technology or something well that was our final youtube scandal for adrian to react to uh my takeaway is that um i once was really uh taken aback by the statistic that mr beast is the biggest youtuber on the platform but only 10 percent of youtube watches him and I think that's really um, telling of the whole platform is that like 
they're huge YouTubers, like bigger than any like celebrity, like globally in, in some cases. And yet it's such a huge platform that like you can never hear of like people who are in the top 10 of YouTube. It's 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 we, we make the algorithm makes our own little niches in that YouTube space. And it's absolutely absurd. And I mean, even more with modern ones like TikTok's really like uh, perfected the idea of like, you'll never see something that's not part of the TikTok sphere you're in. And it's crazy, too, because, like, there are YouTubers I like who, like, rightfully so celebrate, like, 100,000 subscribers. And it's like, that still puts you in, like, the not, 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 not 0% of, like, YouTube stardom. <laughs> but it does give you enough to, like, survive. So that's Wait, cool. But, like... I'm confused. You used the word not in what I thought was, like, the British use of the word to mean zero. zero. But then you yeah, put yeah. zero at the end instead of one. Oh, I think I might have confused the languages and <laughs> just put not, 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 not one is what I meant to say, but. All right, cool. First impressions. Yeah, that that's kind of why I was thinking about that, because I was like, exactly like you said, there's people who are so big that they have millions of fans and they have these massive scandals that are earth shattering in their communities. And For you can just like learn about them and have a take in the matter of minutes, because it's just if you're not into it, you'll never see it until it enters your world. Um, big facts and no cap, get out of here. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here, man. We've been here too long. Big fact. First impressions are important, but as an industry that tells you that there's like a set of rules you need to learn to make good first impressions, that's all bullshit. First impressions are important insofar as like be a normal, cool, authentic person and vibe mm. with people and people who will like you will. Basically, anything that seems to codify the rules of, like, communication is often uh, PMC bullshit. And my no cap is I was meeting my girlfriend's family for the first time, and they said, she sold, she told me, she was like, you need to make a really good first impression. And I was like, oh, well, my best impression, uh, and this is a Jewish girlfriend, I was like, my best impression is Hitler. <laughs> uh, so I did him. <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a that's an old Phil joke. <laughs> Whose best impression is Hitler? Ich bitch, I <laughs> you didn't. Uh, no, my <laughs> my real no cap is yeah. First impressions, uh, they matter for a lot of things, but uh, in social situations, you usually get more than one impression. So you know, maybe if you have to dial it in to get the bullshit of like interviews do whatever you need to do but if you're just meeting someone who's like a friend of a friend or a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend or whatever yeah just be yourself i mean that's all you that's that's what you're gonna be for the rest of your life so just be that wow what a what a wholesome thing for us to end on be yourself and outro music goes here
How many problems you got? A lot. Yeah, it's some 21 Savage. How about a Uti in a monad and a savage? Jogger police and we don't speak the same language. We sound too good when we lick him at the morning. You go me some grab us, some I lick to make Gordon. Ed bed me YG and half cast a lot of my car. Walk at first of all, tell my inhale mark. Cause every day a nigga try to test me out. Or clog out and I ain't getting flex free out. The soul in Alekine with some lick to. I can try to not speak type for me in a big suit. Never need milk, cut me, bro. They have to give me every ticket.